everybody. It is Chris, aka Star Raptor, here for Outer Rim Transmission. This is episode 125. Tonight we are talking about the Ahsoka series or season finale. I'm not sure, but I'm here joined, of course, by Milton and for Ben for this very monumentous occasion to try to make sense of this finale, to break it down, to talk about all the good, to talk about all the bad, and more on this week's podcast. Milton, it's been a while. Uh, how's it going, man? I know you've been busy in your neck of the woods, going traveling, different things like that. So, uh, no, I'm good, man. I'm glad to be back on the podcast. Um, I think this past episode was very interesting in how they ended this first season. I'm, I can, I think I'm safe to say first season. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be back, and hopefully, we have a good conversation tonight. Oh yeah, what about you, Ben? I know we've exchanged a couple couple words. Maybe one of us doesn't see <laughs> the way the other does, but how's it going, man? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was a great way to end the first season. Um, just because I felt like it was a it was it was a fun, nice way. It answered some questions, left some questions unanswered, just to uh, you know bring the intrigue along um, for for uh, the future season of it. And uh, yeah, so it, like it was a it was a nice way to end things off. But unfortunately, now we're like in in the waiting period until the next Star Wars show, which is probably I forgot about it. I mean, it's probably going to be the Bad Batch, actually. So whenever we get the Bad Batch, you know, I, I don't know when that would be, but maybe we get that before these live action shows. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I've been hearing now about January for Skeleton Crew. I don't know what source that is exactly or where that's okay. coming from, but I, I can kind of like address that like quickly. So basically what that is. So I'm not sure if January will be the exact date. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. But basically, the reason why people are jumping to that assumption is it was copyrighted for January 1st, 2024. So, you know, that it's basically like a copyright claim that was filed for January 1st. So basically, like people are just kind of like making the assumption. But I mean, I'm not sure when it comes to like copyrights and trademarks, but I would assume a lot of, a lot of them probably do go through like on the 1st of January. Cause it's like the new year. So I'm thinking I, like, if I had to guess, it's probably really more, that's just that, Hey, they filed it, you know? So it's like, you know, it's in place. I don't, I'm not sure if it would come out in January just because like, you know, I, I don't think like a show's going to like file a copyright thing for like, say if, if it would come out in like July, like, you know, for July 1st, 2024. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what it, probably is but you know i could be wrong about it like i mean they might have pushed it out of this fall where it was you know talked about you know november december to you know maybe they do just push it to january who knows yeah i, I think when you put it that way january 1st I, I think that is just simply a placeholder for like okay it's coming out sometime in 2024 let's just put in january 1st we'll cover every base yeah. by saying it's coming out in 2024 by putting on the first of january so i think that's simple enough but hey maybe maybe that will give us a holiday present there who knows but yeah i mean there's a lot going on in the star wars universe uh as a whole right you got the high republic that's spinning up again the comics are continuing as always, so it's kind of being like a little bit of lapse in on-screen stuff for who knows how long, but uh, the flame is still burning, still burning. Getting into some housekeeping. So there is a possible, there is a podcast download uh, at any of your streaming services. That's Google. That is Spotify. That is Amazon, Apple, and more. Please give us a review, especially if you're on Apple or on Spotify. Please give us a five-star 
rating because that will give us a little bit more pull in the overall scope of things help spread our positive Star Wars community here at Outer Room Transmission. If you're listening to us, thank you very much. You can also find us live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern and join the chat for some good old Star Wars banter. However, some notes for the upcoming week. I will be in New York Comic Con, my usual get-together over there in the Big Apple for whatever is to happen there. Um, a couple cool Star Wars things happening on that Thursday. There's going to be Ewan McGregor spotlight panel I've seen him talk before, so I don't, I'm not expecting any huge revelations unless like he just walks on and says, season two of Kenobi. That's not happening. <laughs> but it'll be fun to hear him talk. Even his wife is going to be there, so it gets me to wonder if uh, Mary Winstead uh, might show up on stage and talk about Ahsoka. That'd be kind of cool. Or them just talking about being in Star Wars together as husband and wife. That'd be kind of cool. That's not confirmed, but it seems so likely for it to happen. But... We got that coming up. Um, there was also a panel on that Thursday that is going to be about the, from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. So there's going to be a lot of first-time Star Wars authors, I would assume, on the stage to talk about it, which is always neat. Uh, Friday, David Tennant is going to be doing a spotlight panel, Huang himself. So that'll be really fun, as well as all the other awesome roles he has played over the years. And then Sunday, there is going to be a publishing panel. As always, it isn't Star Wars and it isn't Comic-Con without that Star Wars publishing panel. And by the way, Saturday, if you're in New York City or live in New Jersey or anywhere nearby, you might want to come out um, to the Mosh Eisley event. It's always a fun time. I went to the one in Anaheim. It's basically a bunch of uh, a DJs there, and it's basically a Star Wars party. Everybody comes dressed up, whatever, costumes, whatever. You don't have to come dressed up. If you don't want to, it's perfectly fine. But yeah, there's uh, DJ spinning the latest in um, alternative rock, emo, metal you know punk it's a good time there's vader just chilling up on stage and stormtroopers uh getting angry with the raucous crowd so there you go uh crowd surfing i'm sure is welcome so come on by i'll be there you'll you'll just look for the mandalorian i'll be rocking my mando helmet just getting in the crowd hopefully it becomes uh a little bit of a protection against people's feet coming over my head <laughs> 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 but anyway yeah so i will not we will not be live next sunday is all i'm trying to get at but please do come say hi um i know matthew from the ion canada star wars uh, underworld podcast network uh, me and him are going to be tagging around doing some gorilla style camera stuff with youtube and stuff while we're at the con so it's gonna be a good time introduce yourself uh if you find me i'll probably give you a button or a sticker of whatever i have left to probably should replenish it after celebration but anyway yes it should be a good time by all and finally last but not least we had three releases this week we have the beginning of the high republic phase three which is the final phase for the high republic it's coming to an end but it's gonna be a long phase it's gonna be going into like spring of 2025 but yes we have the shadows of starlight uh brings us in on what has been happening a year after the events of phase one i will not spoil them here because i know people are catching up it's, it's a very lengthy um star wars publishing um foray into all that stuff so yeah we got that we have bounty hunters issue number 39 and darth vader issue number 39 both of which i have a review on the channel right now and i'm also talking about those on ion canon on the star wars underworld network with matthew aforementioned matthew uh ninja bauer over there we're breaking them down in even more detail so in more of a podcast format and thursdays we go live of course we're not doing that this thursday or we're gonna pre-record but anyway i've talked enough we're gonna be talking as a whole 
about Ahsoka Episode 8. This is called The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord. Now, that's kind of a funny take on C.S. Lewis. Lewis. Um, but yes, I'm going to throw it over to Milton, since we haven't seen you in a while. I haven't heard from you in a while. Take the floor with this one, man. What was your first impressions of the finale? Yeah, so my initial thoughts was a good episode. Um, honestly, in the moment, I wasn't quite sure about it just because it felt a little off to me. Huh. And, and maybe just uh, maybe because my expectations were different. Um, and I was thinking, well, we're going to I was thinking we we're going to go this route, but they went this route. Um, and it's something that my brother and I kind of had a small conversation about over the week was like, it seemed a little off. However, it wasn't a terrible episode. It wasn't a bad episode necessarily. I, I liked the majority of the episode. There were some choices that were made that I was kind of like, eh, that's kind of BS. But I'm thinking they're just setting it up for season two. So I had to remind myself, okay, this is going to look like it's going to get a season two. That's why they did certain things. Certain dynamics of the characters were there for a reason. Um, but overall, I, I thought the episode was solid. Um, I couldn't, I can't give it a 10 out of 10, but it, it was a solid episode. I think if this was the ultimate finale of the series, I would have been probably a little more disappointed. But knowing that this is leading into another season or perhaps, I guess, the heir to the Empire movie or however the structure is going to happen. Okay, I, I like it for what it was. It, it, I don't know if I would rewatch it again, per se, but I'll, it was solid. That's probably the best way I can put it. Yeah, I, I think I'm more on your level, Milton. Um, as far as what I took from the episode, I feel like the episode had its ups, uh, namely the zombies. I thought that was great. The Walking Dead, basically, in Star Wars was awesome. Fight choreography, amazing. Uh, between Morgan Elsbeth and, and Ahsoka. Great stuff there. I did feel like some of the plot lines was clunky. Like, oh, let's just charge a Star Destroyer with no plan at all and just get lucky by the skin of our teeth, like just charging something like that. Or, or oh, oh, we've seen this in Star Wars a bunch. Um, Oh, don't worry, guys. Um, I'll hold off the really powerful baddie. You guys go do something else. Like, you guys could just team up like, three against one and just take around 30 seconds. Like, it's not going to delay that that much. Uh, so like the, the usual stuff like that, which yeah, I could write. We could, we can talk about that silly stuff all day. In the end, it really doesn't matter a whole lot. But in the moment, I was just kind of like, huh, um, you know, some some good banter, some good resolution between certain characters. Although I wanted more, it was nice to have that conversation between Ahsoka and Sabine, which was the whole crux of the season. But I feel like it just they just didn't really nail it enough. Um, of course. We had the moments with Sabine finally channeling the Force. I think we've all kind of seen that coming. And generally, generally for me, I mean, Ben, me and you, we're picking these things apart as we go along here. Every every episode, I think yep. both of us pretty much called exactly what was happening in this episode. So yeah, I would say it's a little predictable. I, I was really hoping for at least one big, big resolution to the reveal. We had two things that have been going on all season. We had uh, the cargo. What's in the cargo? We didn't get that taken care of and what the heck Balin like I know there's probably going to be more but the fact that this guy passed away Ray Stevenson unfortunately and then they only give him like five seconds of screen time in the finale whereas the entire like series they've been 
teasing, oh, he's been feeling this, feeling this, feeling this, and the average viewer is not going to have any significance of what the relevancy of these statues are, whereas we do, we know what these things are. But the average viewer is going to be like, huh? So I'm, I kind of feel a little bit timid, a little bit anxious that they might just leave some of these storylines on the cutting room floor. So it took me out of the actual viewing experience, which kind of hurt my overall viewing of the episode, just because it felt like there wasn't enough things tied up to get at least a little resolution. I understand that there's always supposed to be a tease. There's always supposed to be something, but I feel like there was just too many teases and not enough of, you know, something satisfying per se. Um, so yeah, that, that's basically my, my thoughts on this episode. And I'll throw it over to you, Ben. Yeah, for me, um, for me, I'm definitely, I would say, more higher on this episode than both of you guys. But of course, like Milton said, this is not like a 10 out of 10 because there are flaws to it. But like overall, for me, I thought it was a really good way to end things for especially the likely the first season. Um, just because like, you know, you closed off some questions like, you know, people like a running critique of, of Sabine, for example, from the beginning was like, oh, you know, why would... You know, why, why, you know, what's she, what's she doing with all this Jedi stuff? Blah, 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 blah. You know, we finally get that answer. Like, she basically wanted revenge on the Empire. So, like, you know, we, we get those answers told, some of those things like that. And then, you know, we have other questions opened up to us that lead into the next season, you know, like the Balin stuff, like the, um, you know, the cargo stuff, like the, uh, how are they gonna escape Peridia stuff, like those type of things. I think are good um, good examples to like say carry on into another season just because it's like you know you know like stepping outside of like the Star Wars realm or Star Wars online like talking spear um, you know if you just when um, when that episode ended like if you just search like Ahsoka season two like you know there are plenty of normies just putting in like bold letters oh my gosh I can't believe the show ended like this. We need a season two right now, ASAP, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, that sort of stuff. So, like, that shows, like, it did its job for, you know, a lot of the, like, general audience people. If you just look around, look around social media, see, like, when you get that type of reaction, like, we need yeah. a season two right yeah. now. Like, you know, that type of thing is what they're going for. Because, you know... You know, like the 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 big majority of the audience is what like pays the bills at Lucasfilm. Yeah. So like, so you know that type of thing, it hooked people good enough. Um, but one my one concern about this episode, like I loved the Balin and um like the Mortis God stuff. I loved that, even though it was like literally like ten seconds, um, if that. But my my concern about it, I haven't seen anybody like leak it from like our known like Star Wars leaking people. And, and, um, but I wonder, like, honestly, I wonder if there was more, like, if there was more, like, say, I don't even know, five, ten minutes more of Balin, Balin stuff. And my thing is, is I wonder if they cut it. And if they do do a C, you know, with the season two, say, coming, if it does come, if a season, I'm not saying it's confirmed, but if a season, let's say a season two does come, I wonder if they cut it to sprinkle, sp chop up those, say, ten minutes or whatever into season two of Ahsoka or something, just because it's like, I don't know, like the balance was way off when it came to the, obviously like the Balin stuff and everything else in the episode, because we've had a pretty good, like in my opinion, for the most part, we've had a pretty good balance of like the characters on all these episodes, like oh, episodes yeah. one through seven. And then we get to this one and it's like, oh, so 
they're in it for literally like 10 seconds like what's that about so it just so it just makes it honestly just makes me wonder if that was like a call from like dave and the creatives being like hey you know let's cut out it like if we get to ahsoka season two and ray stevenson's in it we know his scenes are from this season because obviously (laughs) so so you know i hate saying it that way but it's true but um but yeah, so like those those are kind of like my like general thoughts. And then I absolutely love like for me, I think one of the best parts of the episode I love mm-hmm. so much was Thrawn's send off at the end. Like this was like I guess this is my thing with the whole like talk. And I mean I'll wrap up my point really quick. But no you know we see Empire Strikes Back, Vader getting the revelation of Luke to I'm your father thing. We don't know if that's true or not. So you know that's the ultimate unanswered question. So like. You know, these unanswered questions of, like, how Ahsoka and these guys are going to escape and all these other things, like, just, like, kind of, like, fall on deaf ears for me because it's like, hey, the ultimate reveal was an que- unanswered question, so, like, I'm cool with it. But um, but for me, though, with, like, I think my favorite part of the episode, obviously, with the zombies were amazing, but the Thrawn stuff at the end, like, I love Thrawn's, like, you know, just the way he said, um, you know, today's victory, victory is mine, long live the Empire, boom, like, just smugly and... You know, Thrawn, it felt like Thrawn finally got his mojo back, you know? Yeah, I think uh, I think I would say they did have a success with Thrawn in this, right? Like, he oh, yeah. did end up... I, I mean, I, I will say there could have been another version where he, like, maybe personally killed somebody. Then you would have really been like, yeah, that is Thrawn. Yep. Like, he outsmarted him. But, I mean, he still did outsmart him, right? He used the tactics that he used to delay them long enough to get him out of there. So he still did win to extend. I like the balance because it's like, there is still hope. Like Ezra still got out of there, but yet you also have Thrawn sending that like last little like message to Ahsoka and Sabine as they were that close. It's like, Oh no, <laughs> they had the yeah, one and chance. Well, well, the cool thing is not to like continue monologuing too long, but, but the cool thing about that whole sequence, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll get into all that more as we like break down the entire episode. It's just the realization, too, of our characters, like, oh, man, we just let, like, the biggest bad guy back into our galaxy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, let's, I think we should start, as we always do, from the beginning. Yep. Um, this was a scene I, I've never expected to see in Star Wars. Now, I'm a little bit kind of confused. So, so was Morgan Elsbeth? I thought she was already a night sister. I know she didn't have the markings, but, I mean, this this shadow thing that they do with her definitely is the initiation of her being a full-fledged night sister i did like this i did like the the kind of sorcery involved uh just this idea of star wars with the the witchcraft is something that we've never seen in live action before and i think they they really added a lot to the lore of star wars but this general feeling of oh yeah star wars is always dealing with smugglers it's always dealing with jedi with sith with governments like the republic and the empire but we never see this kind of Star Wars enough. So, Milton, what'd you think about this whole beginning of, of the episode? I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I mean, to me, that made sense because, again, we're dealing with Night Sisters. And if you are a yeah. Star Wars fan like the three of us are, and you've seen Clone Wars and whatnot, you, you understand, you know. What, what the Night Sisters are. You understand Dathomir. When you hear the, when you hear the planet Dathomir, we know what that is. Now, for someone who isn't a fan of Clone Wars, they wouldn't understand like how important that is or, or why these witches are even involved. 
Um, and then obviously, if you go back to was a Mandalorian season two, um, you know, I th- doesn't Elsbeth kind of hint that she might have like the Night Sisters, like uh, pass or like she has that in her past or something? I can't remember if she says anything about it, but again, like it, it's important that like that's in it's in the show just because it makes sense. It it makes sense to why the witches unlocked her potential. Like she was working towards that, and for her to say. This is for Dathomir. She had her own agenda too. And clearly, Dathomir was shown for a reason. It was mentioned for a reason. So all the stuff with her getting her powers unlocked, getting the Sword of Talzin, which was pretty cool, um, fighting Ahsoka as a true knight sister was very impressive. It just shows that, you know, these these night witches and night sisters are very important to the lore of Star Wars. So it made sense to have them in this episode, have them in this show. I love how they use them, so I can't really complain about the Knights sisters at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you, Milton. Like, all your, all your points on that, like, I think they did a really good job with her. Um, Chris, I'm not sure about you, but during that whole sequence, I think I was having, like, flashbacks to us talking about it on the podcast. They're 100% setting up the Knight sisters to be the Nogri, the Nogri you know, because, oh. like... You know, you have Morgan Elsbeth saying under her breath for Dathomir. Oh. And it just, to me, they're they're like really heading in that direction. I think eventually, long term, they are going to have the Night Sisters take out Thrawn. Like, it it feels like that could be maybe the the big thing in the end. Um, but yeah, like what they did here in this episode, it was just really cool. Like just seeing like that transformation, seeing her fully get confirmed to be like a night sister now now it answers you know the question like fans like we're asking before like oh how is she a night sister how is she a night sister she doesn't look anything like it and then you know well technically she wasn't a night sister yet so that's why yeah. um so it was cool like getting to actually see that ceremony um also chris i'm gonna have to like send you this after stream but i saw like a theory going around on social media over star wars twitter last week that apparently there's there's a short story from i don't know if it's like from a kids book in canon right now or something or or whatever but anyways it's a short story someone had posted a an excerpt from and it's about like a, a character named bug i'm pretty sure they said the, oh, yeah, the kid's yeah, name was yeah, or yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, the, okay if you know about that story basically someone put up the points of that story and pretty much said bug is morgan elsbeth and i was like man oh. that makes a lot of sense like just oh. the way they piece that together because um, that's so, from yeah, dude. So that is from there's a Clone Wars Middle Age anthology. Matthew, I don't know if you're listening after the fact. He might know this. It's really deep cut. It was like, and there was this. Book they said was, it was. They said it was written by Dave or something. I think. I'm not entirely well, sure. The... Oh, okay. But basically, the whole premise of the anthology is it's literally adaptations of episodes, and then this is mm. the one story they tacked on at the end that was an original story. Everything else was stuff we've seen before. It was just written down, essentially adapted, right? So that is interesting. That is interesting. Um, I want to shout out the chat. We got a lively chat tonight. Uh, we have Sim saying dark magic is necessary to address. I agree. That's why it's it's really cool getting this new foray into a different aspect of Star Wars. Uh, the Lowdown Show. Hey, how's it going, dude? Uh, I thought the Night Sisters were a highlight of the series. I wish they would have put uh, the text Dathomir on the planet. I'm not sure. Um, anyway, but no, I, that that was cool. I, that that was a, a shocker to me to see that they're going. 
back to Dathomir, and we'll we'll get more into speculation. Yeah. Uh, we could save a, a segment at the end for for talking more about what the hell is going to happen next. But that was neat. Right, right, right. And just 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 jump on that point real quick about the text for the planet. You know the Star Disney's been doing that lately when like they don't want to reveal what the planet is. Like uh... if it's a planet that we know of, they'll put the text. Like if it's Coruscant, okay, they'll put Coruscant. Yeah. But whenever they they did it for. I think it was for um oh my god for obi-wan they didn't show they didn't say mustafar when they went to like yeah vader's castle like they just kind of said it and it's like don't try to hide it just say it because again a lot of fans who aren't really fans like that won't know so they, they have to they have to understand what they're looking at you have to visually show them so they can go back and reference it in the other parts of like star wars yeah i agree i agree so next up we have a really cool scene involving Hugh Ang and Ezra. And I didn't catch this at first. I don't know. It was very obvious. I just, I don't know why I didn't catch it. The fact that Ezra is basically making a saber identical to his master's um, canon jars and, and the fact that they, I think they even mentioned his name is Caleb Doom, didn't they at one point? Yep. Somebody did. That is great. That The idea that we are diving so deep into this canon, the stuff that has been established mm-hmm. um, as the first canonical like star wars stuff in the disney buyout right like rebels was the first big thing um and canon jars is just you you feel the legacy and just the importance of this character his name was mentioned multiple times throughout this season i'm I'm just really happy about that and the idea of like yuang right we've seen the episodes of the clone wars when he was introduced by the way voiced by david tennant maybe i'll run into him this weekend (laughs) but it's really neat seeing that character with all the lightsaber parts. It reminded me of my trip to Galaxy's Edge, right? When I'm making the saber, there's all these different compartments of the sabers and the emitters and the switches and the hilts and, and the plating and all this kind of stuff all strewn around the place. And it reminded me just of that. Remember, this is a cruiser that is a Jedi cruiser. So, of course, it'd be fully equipped to have this station for the initiates and the Padawans to, to make the lightsaber. So I thought that was a cool little world building scene they had. Yeah, I, I enjoy that scene a lot, um, especially whenever Ezra was looking for the special, like, I don't know, what was it called, like a, an inhibitor or something, like the, the same type of inhibitor part, like as Kanan has a saber, and it looks exactly like that, and it's funny how he says, oh, I kept a spare for Kanan just in case he lost his or needed something, which was kind of cool, and he just happened just to say, oh, it's right here, he held it the whole time. Yeah. Um, it was cool to get that tie back, especially if you've like you mentioned, go back to Rebels, but also go back further to the book New Dawn. That's when we first get introduced to oh, Kanan yeah. Jarrus, or a.k.a. Caleb. So it was cool to get that reference. Um, I like that scene in particular just because you got to hear Hugh Yang say, like, oh, you're a really good student. And then you have Sabine in the back kind of feeling a certain way about it whenever she hears it, and she kind of walks away. So And then that kind of transitions into what what's her deal? And he explains, like, what happened between Ahsoka and... Uh, or uh, and Sabine. So no, I thought it was a beautiful scene. I think it was necessary. I liked the way the saber looked. Um, yeah, I, I've I've actually enjoyed Hugh Yang throughout this whole series. Actually. Oh yeah, he oh. he he has been full surprise. I will say, like, I feel like he is going to be one of those characters that is. Um, I wouldn't say underperformed, underrated, an underrated character of the series. There's a lot of characters. This is very much an ensemble series here. 
Um, but yeah, I like from everything from his like little witty kind of comebacks to certain things that people have said to like the idea where he's literally trained in combat and can defend himself by just like unhand unarmed combat is just and he can pilot a ship like this guy can do everything and it makes sense because when you're 26,000 years old I mean you pick up something every once in a while oh yeah I loved I loved his his entire um like character arc in this series and like you said this whole this whole scene was so good like between him and Ezra just the the meaning of it and I like you know again I mentioned it before you know, even going clear back to our second season of Mandalorian, like the way like Dave includes fans and then general audience people, I think he's done a really good job of it because, you know, you could watch that as like, you know, our parents and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's another Jedi, you know, Kanan was, or, you know, Kanan's ma or um, Ezra's master or whatever. Like, you know, you can get that, but for obviously us who are Rebels fans and, and fans of the books and whatever, like, you know, it means even more. So it's cool that like, they found a pretty good crossroads of, you know, including, say, like, the more normie people versus just only, like, hey, you had to have watched all four seasons of this show to get it. So, like, it's cool that they've done it in, um, in a way like that. I, I really appreciated that. And then, you know, like you mentioned, Milton, the look of the lightsabers, I think, I think that's one of the more underrated things of this entire series. I think the way they've like animated the way the lightsabers look in general whether it be ahsoka's sabine's ezra's balan's shins like i think the lightsabers have all looked really really good right well i think it's because they they use that fluorescent yep like it's the fluorescent lightings that they use to actually fight with it's not mm -hmm. like and again i like the way the prequels were shot and even like the old trilogy you know what they have the kendo sticks with the wrap on it yep. that's yeah. just how technology was you know and obviously they have the reflection they want the light to be more reflective off the face which makes sense if i had a real lightsaber the light would be so it'd be so much it would legit reflect off my face and you can't really look into it directly so no i, I like how they up their game with it they seem more dangerous to handle <clears throat> as it should because no normal person should, should pick up a lightsaber you know yeah. in, in that universe so it, it makes sense so we're not i think they look fine for the most part oh yeah so getting into the action here i mean we have really cool moments of force abilities plenty throughout this this episode starting with the tie fighters coming down on the little transports and what are they called ben i always forget the name something with that nogi or nobi or navi oh uh, nodi nodi I'm naming every other possible. Yeah, know, the noty people. The noty people uh, continue to shine. They got they got that great kind of comedic timing, and they're they're a fun addition to the Star Wars universe. And I'm looking forward to seeing a lot more of them whenever uh, this story continues in whatever fashion. But yeah, it's cool seeing Ezra. It's cool seeing Ahsoka just teaming up using the Force, and just I like the general kind of camaraderie, right? Like when it comes to the Rise of Skywalker, say what you will about that. That whole thing. But I think what Star Wars does best, one of the things, is showing teamwork and showing our heroes using their different kind of strengths to bound together to create like an unstoppable force. Um, even going into charging on the um, the Howler uh, uh, wolf creatures into the Imperial Star Destroyer. And then you're seeing literally three Jedi. You're seeing three Jedi. I don't care like what the thematic level of this story is at this point it's just really freaking cool to see a mandalorian jedi with the, with the helmet on with the green lightsaber and then somebody with white lightsabers 
and somebody that looks like a warrior monk with a blue lightsaber standing side by side just taking out stormtroopers like nothing that that to me thrills me um so i don't know we could talk about this segment if we want yeah i mean i, I thought it was like a really cool action sequence it was neat seeing them um you know uh like i don't know, just jump into the action like that like you said the tie fighters them riding on the creatures with their lightsabers out like all that stuff it's just you know it's kind of like peak star wars like you know our heroes getting into battle and and going with it and like you know, I know it was, like, a critique of yours, like, a little bit, Chris, about, like, the, you know, charging the Star Destroyer, but, like, to me, I didn't mind it, because it was, like, hey, you know, they were on a time crunch, it's, like, either we charge, or we wait here and plan, and then by that time, it's too late, so, like, I don't mind it, and it, and it kind of, like, felt, you know, kind of felt like Ezra's character to, like, be up for something like that, because he kind of was, like, an improviser in Rebels to a degree, yeah, yeah, you're right. um, so, like, I didn't mind it, and again, like, the guy that plays Ezra is just great as Ezra. Like, he is so good at, at that character. Um, so, yeah, for me, I thought it was really cool just seeing them, like, you know, jump into combat with the TIE Fighters, with the Stormtroopers. And like you said, them just, like, you know, you have... I liked how they had a disparity still between Ahsoka and Ezra and then Sabine compared to them. Like, Sabine was clearly still nowhere near as skilled as Ezra and Ahsoka were with a lightsaber compared to her just using normal weapons. So I really like that they still had that disparity versus just like, I don't know, you know, letting her just hop into a normal Jedi flow and go with yeah, it. Yeah, I like that because, you know, you, you see this stuff online, you're going to see, oh, the Mary Sue this and Mary Sue that. Yep. I don't agree with that in this case because she's getting hit by the damn blaster bolts. Like, Yeah, if she, she didn't, didn't have her Mandalorian once, armor, she'd be dead. She'd be dead. So we know the effectiveness of that because thanks to the Mandalorian himself, Din Djarin getting blasted quite a few times. But it was cool. It's like, all right, just stick to your strength. Use the blasters right now. And she just goes. And it's a good it's a good kind of addition, a good teamwork compromise. It's like you got the person behind the swordsman shooting at the other guys as he's defending her. So it's a good tactic. I, I liked seeing that. What about you, Mill? What did you think about the overall kind of flow of this little battle, this little skirmish, the action and all that? You mean regarding the TIE Fighters, correct? Just make the sure we're clear well, on that. TIE Fighters are just yeah. like when they fight the, t the Stormtroopers. Just like the general teamwork. I oh, guess, I mean, I oh yeah, okay. So when it comes to the TIE Fighter attack, it was cool to see them work work as a, as a tandem. I mean, it was cool to highlight their strengths and to see that it wasn't easy for them. And obviously, their, their ship was damaged enough to where it hindered their mission, which I appreciate it. It, it could have easily been the old trope of, oh, no, they took a couple of hits, but they'll still make it in time. Yeah, you know, but they there's consequences to that, so they had to adjust their plan, which led to them get on those riding those wolves or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but it was cool to see how that the Mandalorian, the Jedi, the I guess the the Gray Jedi or quote unquote yep. whoever she is now, like working together as a team. I thought the battle with the stormtroopers or I guess quote unquote the Death Zombie troopers was was fascinating. Um, obviously, if you read the canon books. That is something that does exist. Oh. So it was cool to see that. I thought that action was very well done. I had to go back and rewatch it again because I was like, why is Ahsoka moving a certain way? Hmm. I'm like, she kind of felt clunky a little yeah. bit like the first time I watched it. And I had to go back and rewatch it. And I was like, okay, she does move fairly smoothly. And I think she was just doing certain, she was blocking things on purpose. She wasn't trying to like, quote unquote, kill them, if that makes sense. Yep. She was trying to like just dodge, parry, uh, 
cause distraction, that type of thing. So it made sense about, about her movements. And also we got the scene in the beginning of the episode with her practicing these moves with the hologram with Anakin. So yeah. I was like, okay, that makes sense. It, it tied into that. This is the, I, I, I mean, the more I think about the more I like it. It's just the idea about seeing somebody that is not so truly gifted in the force like we see luke we see the most powerful jedis of all time because they are just naturally gifted these people don't work as have to work as hard because they have it in their bloodline they got you know they just have it through their legacy is why they're so strong right you got luke you got leia you got Ahsoka that was trained during the clone Wars, so of course she's going to be powerful but it's neat seeing how somebody would train during the fall that the Jedi Order had been fallen for 20, 30, 25 years at the point that Sabine would be training. So to see how the average person could just train so hard to be able to get it done. I like seeing that. Right. Yeah. No, it was. Are you referring to the hologram tapes? I, I assume. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just mean her journey in general, like from the first episode of oh, the yeah. season to seeing how. Yeah, she still is not infallible, but she's having those moments of triumph and those moments where she's using the force for the first time. And it's a good payoff, I think. Right. OK, I got you. Yeah, that, that makes sense. But like I, to go back to your point about seeing how people train, like it was cool that we got to see Ahsoka go back to the basics oh, yeah. of her training. You know, she talked about how like Anakin made like 20 recordings or something. And then which mm -hmm. if again, if you watch Rebels, you saw that. Ezra was doing was using the same recordings or a different version of them when he found the hologram holograms of um, Anakin showing him like different parries and that type of thing. So it was cool to see that they they tied it all in to that particular show and go canon, but also see her go back to the basics of like, all right, I need to just slow down, really just tap into it. The fundamentals of like playing sports, what they always teach you in sports, you know, go back to the basics. If you're trying to reset yourself. Your footwork, your eye, your eye level, your pad level in football. You know, keep your head up when it comes to tap. You know, certain things like that are fundamentally good for what you're trying to do when it comes to sports. When being a Jedi is probably centering yourself. You know, swift strokes, how she was doing it. But it was cool to see her revert back to that. So I, I kind of liked it. Mm. Yeah, and in the order of this episode. I guess we'll just go ahead and start with it. And that was a topic of one of the videos I posted earlier in the week was just the idea that uh, we have death troopers for real this time, not just death troopers for the reputation in Rogue One of just really deadly trooper type, but actual yeah. undead troopers risen from the grave. Right. What, what what book was that in? I can't remember. Yeah, Erin Daly in the chat actually is mentioning it. She says that's one of the first Star Wars books she read. Um it's a, it's all legends expanded universe book. Um, it's literally called Death Troopers. Yeah, it's literally called Death called? Troopers. Yeah, it's and... it's called Death Troopers. It's the one where it's the the stormtrooper and then the one eye the eye has like a hook shoved through it on the cover. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's in the like then some like type of virus. Then they get yep. like a virus or something. Yep. Yeah, the Blackwing virus. Okay. Right. Yep. It's it's a it's a great book. I mean, the cool thing about that book, like I'm so glad they like hopped into like this you know take the leap with zombie troopers because like you mentioned chris in your in your video like hey you know star wars has so many things in it like why not include them in a cool way like zombies in a cool way so yeah. i like that they like jumped in and did it you know and it makes 
like the general people happy because it's like oh cool a zombie in star wars and then for like us like big time star wars fans it's like oh man like you know you're getting flashbacks to the death troopers book and it's just like i would have never in a million years thought we would have actually i don't know i mean i guess like for me anyways it would be like almost like fan fiction to like have zombie like have death troopers in star wars after reading that book you know when you read that book it's like oh man you know we'll never see this in live action because it feels too like fan fictiony and then dave does it like such a cool way and it's like holy smokes like we actually got straight up death troopers and it makes you wonder um like the future implications for that what they're gonna do because i th- you know um like just purely speculating but it feels like maybe they are going to go that route chris that you and me speculated on a couple weeks ago when it was just you and me on here like like are they going to go the route of maybe the the night sisters going to like you know imperial battlegrounds like resurrecting a ton of dead troopers or something because yeah. like i i think that's where they're heading cuz cuz you know this is just like the the small taste of it but man i loved it and then i'm not sure if you guys caught it but like the one that was going at Sabine, you know, its face mask was busted and you yes. could see it was like a zombie in it. Yeah. So it was like it was like, oh, man, this is awesome. So so that leads right. me to believe then, Ben, because there's no way that trooper was decomposed in a matter of minutes because I was under the assumption like he said, OK, the men have volunteered like you may begin the ritual. And then they did their chant, their mother chant and all that. And then those troopers rose up and started attacking so i guess some of these guys that were already like beforehand were already zombies i guess i i took i took it as like these men volunteered to like give their lives or like they knew they were going to go into battle to die like but like they knew like okay we're going to die but we'll be brought back in like a zombie form like it's kind of like they they knew that their life was this it is what it is like there's a higher purpose yeah, kind of yeah, like no, your. That's how I took it. Well, well kind of like us, you know, with with say, um, with IDs having the whole, you know, you can I volunteer to be an organ donor. I guess you know, like maybe it's something like yeah. that where it's like, hey, you know, when our when you guys die, like, do you want to volunteer to be a zombie for us? And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, of course, what are you gonna do to to Thrawn? Like, say no, and they'll probably just kill you anyways and do it anyways. So, like, right. it's it's cool that they like incorporated like a concept like that into this whole thing well, and, go on Milton. right right here's, here's my thing though too and this goes back to i mean and this is positive talk right here about dave filoni look we all like him we all love him as a creator he's pretty much like the the apprentice to mm-hmm. uh george lucas something that i do appreciate about him is that when he brings an idea whether it's from legends or from canon he, he uses it in a way that's I don't want to describe it. He's in a way that's definitely like the right way to use it. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not like, you know, Ezra and them standing in the middle of the field and hands popping up from the ground or something. Um, like, oh, yeah, Dave, Dave did it in a really nice way. Um, that's a really good point, Milton. And also another point on, on Dave, like bringing his ideas, like into um, like the on-screen form. I think the, one of the best things about Dave that he took from George is just like the ability to go bold with an idea. Like, because, you know, say what you want about the sequels one way or another, but for the most part, they're pretty safe for the most part, you know, storytelling wise, but like Dave, you know, like there is some safe stuff, obviously in Ahsoka, 
but you know bringing zombies into star wars that's like a bold thing like george lucas would be like hey we're just gonna do this and if the fans like it they like it if they don't they don't like you know like he did with darth maul with the spider legs hey maul has spider legs now boom (laughs) so like you know stuff like that um or like even the ahsoka anakin stuff like date you know george was just like nah so you know ahsoka's anakin's apprentice now so like you know I really appreciate that Dave doesn't mind to, like, take bold chances like that. Um, So, yeah, that's, like, another big thing. Like, I just, I was thoroughly surprised that we actually got zombie troopers. Yeah, let's not not be mistaken or forget that this wasn't the first time we've seen zombies in Star Wars, right? We have a couple iterations. Um, I guess you can count the Brain Worms episode where they have the... I think it's um, Barasafi and Ahsoka are on that cruiser and they kill, they have this worm that goes in the clones and it basically makes them like zombies. But then you also have, uh, you know, the undead with the Night Sisters raising the Night Sisters to fight the Separatists. And the same thing happens in Jedi Fallen Order. So it's been, you know, it's been already presented to us, but it's cool to actually, you know, see it happen again. And I feel like the depiction and the performance of the actors in the stormtrooper costumes was really unsettling. Like just like the audible noise they're making, very creepy. Just like the way they're shrugging off blaster bolts, like it's just like a, they're flinching them. Like it's not even affecting them. Like like death troopers are getting impaled with lightsabers and still continuing to fight like nothing happened. So it was just like this onslaught. And it it makes sense. I like thematically why this is the case for Thrawn. Like, this makes sense. Like, Thrawn, whatever threat has already been out there in the New Galaxy, has whittled down his forces. He's had no other opportunity to get more people to fight for him. It's in a New Galaxy. So he had to resort to the Night Sister magic to just keep his people going. You know, death by death by death. They keep coming back to fight again and again and again. Um whether or not they they probably don't know who they are at that point, I'm assuming, if it's like The Walking Dead or any other zombie, you just are doing stuff, you don't have any brain activity. Um, so it makes sense. I like the idea of like the Thrawn using tactics for purely survival's sake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it is. It's nice getting Thrawn, you know, using his resources that are available in that way. Um, and also, of course, we know like our main characters, you know, are, are probably going to do do well in these situations. But it did feel like there was stakes. You know, it did feel like, hey, you know, we for sure, you know, we don't know if Sabine or Ezra are for sure making out. Of course, Ahsoka would make it out, you know, because she's the title character. But, but like, Sabine or Ezra, like, who knows? Maybe they could have knocked off one of those two, like, trying to, like, sacrifice themselves to, like, let the other two get out or something. So, like, it was pretty cool that they... uh you know, it felt like there was actual stakes because, like, you know, when when the troopers weren't going down with the lightsabers and the blasters, it was like, oh, man, what are they going to do to to get yeah. out of here? Yeah, there is that moment of panic where it's just like, run. You got nothing else you can do. Just run, get the heck out of there and start hitting the switches to take down the doors. That was, it was yeah. a little bit of survival horror, like Star Wars game or something for a moment there. Yeah. But yeah, let's let's continue on um, talking, I guess, about just the the duel. Let's talk about the duel. All right, we got this duel between Morgan Elsbeth and Ahsoka, the rematch of the century, maybe. I don't know. Um, it did make sense for All them right. to fight again. You know, it did make sense for <laughs> rematch them to fight again. of the century. I wouldn't go that far. Well, that, this <laughs> is, this is exactly. 
I'm being a little bit sarcastic because okay. for me, I guess there wasn't as much of an emotional kind of vibe right. with this battle is kind of yeah. fighting for fighting. So this sake. is part so this is part of my my when I mentioned how it was off to me a little bit. There's yeah. two well there's two parts of it. Obviously the Balin and uh, what's his apprentice's name? Shin. Shin. Like that that was kind of a weird thing to me in his finale and obviously this fight. Because there really wasn't no emotional weight. Now does every fight need to be in an emotional weight of a fight? No. Like we've had just nonsensical blaster fighting and saber fighting in Star Wars for no, not no reason, but it's in there, but there's really no weight to it. And with this one, I felt like there, the stakes were there, but then they weren't because like, we know like, uh, what's your name was there to kind of like be a distraction. Yeah. Morgan so Elizabeth. They can get away. Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth. So she can like get away, but it was just weird how they just didn't really like do the traditional, like, talk some shit while they were like fighting you know usually in these saber fights oh yeah you know, so, someone's saying something yep. and you know someone's triggering someone's emotions and you know i, I was kind of surprised like how it just was ugh. It, it wasn't a bad fight it just kind of happened does that make sense yeah it was just so off-putting like thrawn just saying oh um you're gonna basically just stay behind to just buy us more yeah. time for the empire for i do like how she said for right. dathomir is like oh yeah for you know i was down i was kind of hoping she would give some like yeah like some some pushback a little bit like because yeah. i know like she is she is there to serve a higher power like she's very in tune with that however like i wish she would have gave some pushback towards that and also like maybe they could have weaseled some dialogue or information in there whenever they did fight her and Ahsoka about something that was like that that would have been like oh my god I can't believe like she said that like maybe that put Ahsoka over the top or something maybe she should have referenced Anakin or something I don't know it mm. just it just felt like it was just a fight yeah yeah for me with the fight I thought it was I thought it was good um just because I'm more along the lines of like hey, it served its purpose, like, say, for, like, from Thrawn's point of view. Like, maybe not our, us as, like, say, a potential viewing audience, you know, because we right. want, like, some of the, the shit talking and stuff like that. Like, you know, Anakin, Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan, Vader in Episode Four, whatever. Like, but, like, for this, um, I thought it kind of, like, served its purpose of, like, hey, you know, we see the whole For the Empire thing, um, you know, like even a few episodes ago when, when those uh, like in the shipyards, you know, like those type of things, like those those people just like um, still being like loyal to the Empire. So like right. like the fact that, you know, she like sacrificed herself for the Empire, like it makes sense, like for a character working for the Empire. But I do think the reason like 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 I mentioned earlier to start this podcast was it, I mean, if this plays out this way, you know, we can definitely look back on the finale as foreshadowing. But the fact that she said for Dathomir, like I really think they're setting up um, the the Night Sisters to be the Nogri people from the Heir to the Empire trilogy, just because you know Thrawn basically uses the Nogri people to terrorize the galaxy, and then basically by the end of the trilogy, he tells you know he basically is saying a bunch of stuff to like like his bodyguard Rook. He basically says you know you, you know your species is like disposable. You guys are here just to serve us, and that's it, and die like. And, you know, eventually, uh, you know, spoiler, Rook stabs him in his office and kills him in his chair. And, you know, it's basically like, 
you know, that that foreshadowing got built up, though, from the very first book. Because, like, the very first interaction in the in the first book, Heir to the Empire, in that book, you know, you have Thrawn, like, basically degrade the Nogri people in front of Rook. So, you know, like, that slowly builds and builds and builds over time. And I feel like that's what they're going to probably end up doing with the Night Sisters. Like, it's going to be a callback to, like, this moment with Morgan Elsbeth where it's just going to build and build and build. And maybe eventually we get... Like the Night Sisters overtaking Thrawn, or like, who knows? Maybe long term we have the Night Sisters turn the zombie troopers on Thrawn or something. Um, and it's one of those type of things, you know, like bad guy just getting overwhelmed yeah. by zombies, just tearing him apart. Like I could, I could see that type of thing happening, just because they've taken so many inspirations from that trilogy. You know, like I mean, even the zombies, for instance, like that's kind of similar to the whole mindless clones from the Heir to the Empire trilogy. So it's just mm -hmm. like. There's a lot of um, lot of similarities, but yes, yeah, so like that's kind of like my thoughts on the Morgan Elizabeth fight. Plus, like I really think I think there's going to be more implications long term for Morgan Elizabeth than, or not Morgan Elizabeth, but more for like the Night Sisters and Thrawn than what meets the eye just from this scene alone. Yeah, I I agree, and um, I guess we could just go into the ending the ending here or the long kind of drawn out like multiple characters uh ben what did you think about the ending in general um whether it be like the conclusion with ezra arriving at the base ahsoka as sabine seeing anakin's force ghosts thrawn arriving on dathomir shin you know leading these bandits and you know you have balin obviously finding like these mortis gods like what how'd you think of the this ending sequence excuse me that there was a, everything up yeah there was a lot of like wow moments for me because it was like first of all like i mentioned to start the podcast the thrawn the thrawn bad guy speech to kick get out of there was excellent yeah. loved it loved it loved it loved it like yeah. i i just lars nailed it um and then the fact they went to dathomir is like kind of the home base i'm interested to see the implications with that with the coffins what they're going to do blah 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 blah. like there's a lot of um implications for that and then now we have like the story threads of like i really see i think this is where we get into like say the season two talk even like ahsoka telling sabine you know you're right where you need to be you know i think this is more meaning of hey they're gonna have to deal with some stuff with with um balin with the mortis gods um because, like, Balin, you know, talks so much earlier in the season, talking about wanting to, like, end the cycle and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And then now it shows him there. So it's like, what? Is he going to, like, try to take out the Mortis gods or something, you know? Like, like what is going on here? So so I think that's where they could be heading with that, maybe. And then, um, you know, the ending with Hera and Ezra was an interesting one. Cause so I've watched this episode twice now. And at first I was like, man, you know... It's like, okay, that was an interesting ending. Like, it wasn't, like, su super joyous. Like, this was definitely yeah. our Empire Strikes Back of the Star Wars shows, you know? Like, it definitely ended, you know, bad guys winning, good guys kind of not winning. Um, but, like, I saw, like, a lot of people, like, uh, you know, uh, like, not being too fond of the Ezra and Hera scene. But then when you think about it, say, in more, like, more, like, really expanded out more, if you think about it, like, Hera knew what like the implications were to go find Ezra was for Sabine and Ahsoka. So the thing is now, like the reason Hera wasn't so excited or anything really for that matter is because if you think about it from her point of view, she's like, okay, Ezra's back, but
but that must mean yeah, Sabine, Sabine and Ahsoka are dead and Thrawn is probably back in our galaxy now. Because like it was getting alluded to, like, you know, she's been warning the rebellion about this, you know, Thrawn's coming back, Thrawn's coming back, Thrawn's coming back. And you know, the only way Thrawn can come back is if they find Ezra. And then now they find Ezra, so that must mean Thrawn's back. So now that that's like Hera's realization, like, oh shit, like we're gonna be in a lot of trouble soon. So I thought it was I thought that was a pretty cool way to end it after I watched it a second time and thought about it, like say from that angle. Yeah, Milton, just general thoughts on how things ended. I okay, so I'll start with Ezra. So it made sense that he would throw on the outfit, get on the ship, because that's what he did all the time in the show. Like if you knew Rebels. That's consistently who he is. He's consistently consistent about mm-hmm. always trying to blend in and, you know, do something. So I thought that was a cute way to tie that into there. It was cool to see him reunite with Hera. And I think it makes sense what Ben's saying. Oh, if he's back, then we know Thrawn has to be back. Now, obviously, th- th- he's going to fill in the gaps about what happened to uh, Sabine and to um, Ahsoka. Um, as for the overall ending in general, I loved how... Uh, Thrawn said what he said to her about her ma- mm-hmm. to Ahsoka about you know knowing his her master and anticipating her moves. I thought that was a clutch move. That was kind of a boss move, mm-hmm. and I liked that just because it's like okay, that that made sense. Um, I didn't like the the way we just kind of didn't involve Balin and Shin in this episode. I thought that was kind of weak. I felt we could have done something with them just mm-hmm. because literally. You know, he talked about, well, we're here for a purpose, and we're here to do X, Y, and Z, yeah. and then you don't see him for maybe, what, two minutes? Of, maybe not even two minutes? I, I felt that was kind of a waste, because he has yeah. been a strong character oh, yeah. throughout this whole season. So I thought that was probably the weakest part of the ending, for sure. Um, I know, if, if, you, if you know Star Wars, if you know Clone Wars, yes, we saw the mountain of, like, the father and the son, and of the daughter, her head was broken. And obviously, we got to see, uh, the, what's that bird called? More I. Uh, that followed, yeah, we got to see that bird that follows Ahsoka, which is pretty much the daughter. Um, again, I like the ending. It wasn't horrible. I just felt there's things that could have been wrapped up better. Obviously, if we get a season two, which is what it sounds like, hopefully those parts will be told definitively as we move forward. Yeah, yeah, I agree a lot with, with what both of you said. I mean, yeah, the Hera, Ezra, yeah, you can understand, like, as happy of a scene as that could be just the implications of wait why where is sabine where's ahsoka oh no he just let out one of the worst threats the galaxy had ever seen back after these five or six years of peace we're going to be thrust into war again like oh the somber kind of feelings uh she and the rest of the crew on the home one must be feeling right now um and then yeah the shin stuff is like okay yeah like why didn't she go to the Empire? Like, that was a huge jump. It's like, last we seen her, she just kind of, like, by herself. She was supposed to go back to the Empire. But uh, I guess she just had a change of fate. Now she's going to throw up her lightsaber, like, I don't know, some big leader and be like, hey, you're going to work for me now. Like, that was, okay, that's interesting. Um, I was really expecting, you know, fan theory crap. But, like, oh, yeah, like, maybe Ahsoka would take her under her ring or something like that. Like, she would feel mm-hmm. lost and disillusioned. And there is still, like, yeah, there's still a lot more work to do with her character. I, the little we did get with her character was very interesting. She's obviously, you know, has a lot to learn still, although she is prospecting 
to be powerful, Ben. Oh yeah, I think I think with her character especially, it just it seems like this is going to be like our rough version of Mara Jade mm-hmm. that they're going to be doing in the universe because like, you know, you think about it like she, and Mara had no no backstory basically in in Star Wars other than being the Emperor's hand and you don't know anything else about her. And Shin, we have no clue she is, no no identification on her lightsaber, nothing, etc. like, you know, and then you know she was on the bad side. Now she's in between. You know, and there was still hints, like, you know, even in the prior episodes when she was uh, near Ahsoka, like, she was definitely doubtful on maybe even joining Ahsoka. So, like, you know, she's conflicted. So I think this is going to be kind of like Dave's rough adaptation of her, especially with, you know, Timothy Zahn hanging around. Like, like, how could you not have him around and not have that character be brought up? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's... There's a lot of room for some really good stories in publishing. That's all I'll say about this. Yep. Like, give us that comic series about uh, Thrawn and Ezra's exile for those nine or ten years on Peridia. Give us that master-apprentice relationship, maybe like a five-comic issues, or like a novel with Balin, you know, leaving order, become a mercenary, finding... Like, give us that whole story, or, or make a trilogy of books with that. Like, there's just so much rich characters that they didn't have to put in this series but they did and there's a lot of yep. great gaps that can be told with really nice stories to help boost up other things yeah one thing's for sure though like coming out of this finale i really like at this point my number one wish list going moving forward into the next season of this show let's just go let's say on the assumption the next season happens um but i feel like they for sure need to like get someone who like looks like ray stevenson or like you know just a good enough actor to play play balin because balin i feel like is way too important of a character just to leave aside like a mystery and just you know never go back to it again like you mentioned earlier chris like you know we don't want that storyline just to stop there with that one shot and then never ever get it addressed ever again so like i really hope they go back to it and like you know, if I was Lucasfilm, I would just be like, hey, guys, like, you know, we know the, like, realities of the real world. Like, we can't, you know, so, like, we want to continue this character and, like, here's a good actor to replace him. Like, like I just wish, you know, you could do it in a very respectful way. Like, it's not like it's, it's not like it's, like, disrespectful doing that. So, like, I really hope they, they go in that direction. And I still can't get out of my head. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, Milton, when you were on. But, like, man... Like, Gerard Butler would be a perfect Balin, I think. Like, yeah. after I seen that comparison, I'm like, man, I can't, like, unsee that now. That would be a but, good match, I think. But I'm I'm hoping they no, continue his character. I didn't, think, I didn't think about him, honestly. I was thinking of uh, the guy that played Ray Donovan. Oh. Uh, I forget his name. Yeah, but no, that, that'd be good. You're right. Yeah, So so there you go. Do you guys have any last thoughts? on this episode um, yeah I, I mean i'll just give my overall thoughts mm-hmm. of this of this episode and series i guess and i'll try to sum it down a little bit but overall i thought the episode was solid you know there was some ups and downs with it but it was it was good for what it was i think it you're right ben i think it served its purpose in a lot of ways i think just because we are anticipating a season two um which i think they've really hinted to that um, I'm hopeful to see how they conclude a lot of open storylines and how they're going to move things forward into whether it's season two or into a movie. Um, 
Overall, I thought this was a solid series. I've thoroughly enjoyed this series. I think it's one of the more rewatchable series. I think I think once I sit down and I and digest all eight episodes within like a three day period, I think I'll yeah. learn to appreciate mm-hmm. the direction of it compared to being a weekly show. Um so overall I thought the series was solid. I thought the finale was solid too. So yeah. I, it it isn't my favorite Star Wars mm-hmm. series, but it's not one of my worst either. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. Uh it's it's definitely a marked improvement from Mando season three for me. Right. I really like well, I think Yeah. Well I'm sorry, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. I, I think it's overall this particular show in particular, and I'm going to throw Marvel in this. With all the Marvel shows that we've gotten and all the Star Wars shows, this is up this is one of the better Disney focused shows that they that they've made. And oh, I'm yeah. combining both of properties. Just because it, it was it was thoroughly consistent, you know, it was thoroughly consistent for what the characters are and what the story they was pushing for. So yeah, that's why I said it's actually not that bad. Yeah, every week they managed to really push the plot, the story, like the plot forward, um, and they pushed that that going like the, the momentum, the pacing. Um, I mean, my overall like criticism of the season in general um and it's happened with some of the series too is just the idea that there sometimes doesn't seem to be as much focus on the characters and the story of the characters and it's mainly like let's get from plot a to point a to point b okay we know we need to get thrown to the known galaxy that's like going to be number one on our map for what we're doing this season we know that sabine will eventually have to use the force cool uh, we know that they're eventually going to have to mend their relationship. Okay, we'll do that. Like, it felt like there were, like, boxes kind of checked off, but I would have really liked more introspection from Sabine's standpoint, uh, more of the relationship between Ahsoka and her. I just, for a show called Ahsoka, I feel like it was way more of an ensemble, more than any other series. Like, it did, it just didn't focus enough on her. Besides, like, episode five, obviously, with her and Anakin, this this really wasn't just her show, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, to to a degree, yeah. I think though the reason why that's like a running issue, I think with all these shows, Ahsoka, um, the Mandalorians turned out to like be brand brand recognition eventually after the first you know first couple episodes and like Grogu going viral, but like Ahsoka has that issue, Andor had that issue because like. You know, who on the street knows Andor or even Ahsoka? Like, not very many people. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you name, like, if you name um, Andor, I don't even know, Rise of the Empire, or I don't know, whatever. Like, just some, just some generic, more generic Star yeah. Wars title. Or even, like, this show. Like, what if this would be blah, 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 New Republic, blah, 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 something. New Republic, start of a new war. I, <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, just something, something more generic, like, for Ahsoka or Andor. Like, those type of shows in my opinion, would have got better viewership overall, like for, for all of them. Um, like that's just a running issue with, I think the Disney era. I mean, look, Loki, it's a one word title. Like we all know Loki, but still like, you know, why not name it something? But like, I, I just think that's like a Disney thing more than anything. Um, but yeah, like, like for me, when it comes to this season and the finale, I thought, you know, was really good. Um, and then overall, I think the season was, was just really good as a whole. It was like what I was expecting, I guess I would say from Dave, like, you know, 
like Dave's style of storytelling, he did what like Dave Filoni did what Dave Filoni does. Like like the stuff we got in this series was pretty much what I expected Dave to do, in my opinion. And then there were some surprises, like the Death Troopers. Like, you know, we weren't expecting that at all. Yeah. So like, you know, it was nice getting some of those type of things, like him going bold and just saying, Hey, let's do it. So like it's cool getting those type of things. For me though, overall, I would say this is like my favorite Star Wars series, like um under Disney, like in terms of live action. Like I would have this above the other ones. Just because like I I think as a whole, I enjoy this season the most like like if i would watch one full season of any of these shows i would watch this one start to finish over any of the other ones because it hits you know some solid character stuff some good action you know you get some wiles with thrawn and the death troopers and whatever you know all that stuff you get anakin like so you know it checks off your star wars boxes and then you know so for me as a whole i think this is the best star wars show um under disney right now but you know, obviously there there are like moments that are like bigger in terms of like say the Star Wars fandom. Like the Thrawn, Thrawn being in live action was like about as big as it gets. But like I think like nothing, nothing short of like I don't even know what they could do. Us seeing like the original big three on screen, um, like I don't think anything will ever top Star Wars fandom. You know, when Luke came out at the end of Mando season two, I, I don't think anything will ever top like that level of like shock and surprise because it was never leaked, you know, you know, never talked about. And like, boom, it just shocked the world when that happened. So like, like for me, that episode still is like, I would say more like the crown jewel, like the top, top moment of Star Wars Disney. Mm-hmm. But this show as a whole, I think is more like well-rounded and just overall um, appealing to me as on a rewatch scale of like, Hey, if I'm going to watch one series, I'm going to watch Ahsoka over say, you know, God forbid Mando season three or something. <laughs> no, that's good for summing it up. I mean, I, I totally get what from your first standpoint. I yeah. mean, they definitely did spare no expense on this. The, the flight action looked great. Some of the best lightsaber duels. I, I do this. have, I do have one thing to yeah. raise though. And like this is one thing too. I'm sure I'm sure Milton might have something to say about this. Can we please get an answer from somebody at Lucasfilm? How was this show in the volume and Kenobi was in the volume and one show at points looks like a movie budget and the other show looks like it was like a fan film budget? That's what I want answered. Like like how does how does Kenobi look so so different? Like like that that's what I kept thinking throughout this series. It was like how are these two shot in the same location and one looks wildly different, you know? Yeah, don't don't give me <laughs> Yeah, it was it it was a little strange. Hey Milton, I think you're having a some issue with the mic. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you, Chris, hear but you. Oh, okay, there you go. You're back, okay, Milton. You, you, you got out. muted for a second. Sorry, my mom just called me. That's why. <laughs> um, but no, nah, like I said, don't don't get me started. Like that that whole volume stuff, it's ridiculous. But hey, it, they're they're pushing the envelope. I'm not even going to trip. Here's the yep. thing, though. Like you're right. I think that the reason why this show stands out is because of the way it was visually shot and how it felt like we were in a lived universe, and it it it, it felt like it had a lot of credibility for the way it looked. So I, I do appreciate that. Oh, yeah. So going back to you, Ben, what would you give this episode out of 10? 
Yeah, for me, um, for me, I would say, you know, this episode did its job in many ways, um, answering questions, leaving, leaving some, you know, questionable points to like move forward to like ask questions about, and then, you know, giving us some cool sequences. And then, you know, there were some like little tidbits, like I said, some of the, um, some of the stuff was inter- like just interesting choices they made. Like, hey, we're gonna literally give you ten seconds of Balin. It was like okay, um, <laughs> but other than like that, like I think the episode was a really good way to end the first season. I'm going under the assumption say there's a second season. So for me, I would say the episode as a whole would be a nine, and then I would say the season as a whole for me would be a. I would say a 9.25. I'd say it's the best one yet. All right. I'll throw it over to you, Bilton. Uh, I mean, overall score for me, I think this goes for both the series and for the uh, finale. All right. I think it's overall probably like an 8, 8.25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I say about an 8.25 just because I, I thoroughly enjoyed this show. I thoroughly enjoyed the, the majority of the episodes. I don't think there was one particular there might have been one episode I didn't like. I probably was like maybe episode three or four. I can't remember, but um, I didn't I think this, epi- this this series was bad overall. And I thought the finale was solid. Had it had its up and downs, yes. But I think an eight point five is very reasonable for what we got. I think all the Hayden Christensen stuff was amazing. Like him, we just got to give him his flowers because he's he's. He is Star Wars, man. Him and Ewan McGregor, like, I can watch them all day do Star Wars, and I'd be smiling ear to ear. So, overall, I I, I love what Dave did with the show for the most part. Looking forward to season two. Looking forward to his movie. So, Dave, you you have my confidence still. So, 8.25. There you go. And for me, I'm going to kind of stick around the 8 as well. Um, this episode, I give it an eight out of ten. I think there was some room to tie up things a little bit tighter, a little bit more emotion, um, and it was quite predictable. Um, so I was hoping for uh, some more stakes, some more. Well, there was plenty of stakes. I, I guess I said that wrong, but maybe more like revelations or something for a finale. I think I need a little bit more umph. But as for the season itself, I think Milton, you pretty much nailed it on the head. Were there? There wasn't a lot of wasted time. Every episode really had a point to deliver. So it did well in in the eight episodes it had. And uh, yeah, I think I'm also, you know, and I'm going to actually give it an 8.5 as a whole for for a season. Yeah, I think, you know, this episode brought it down from being maybe a nine. So I'll give it an 8.5. What's up, Ben? Yeah, I'll throw in there real quick. I think one thing, guys, um, maybe, I don't know if you both agree with me on this. But I do think what could have made the finale better as a whole would be like, you know, to add to your stakes thing, Chris, like you said, of course, there are stakes in this episode like we, you know, but I think what they could have done was, you know, we see the Hera and Ezra stuff, but then you get one more scene and it cuts to like the New Republic getting some type of an alert, like, oh, my gosh, Thrawn's back, like, you know, some type of a like a red alert scenario, like just something to add more panic to the season and then it cuts like maybe maybe if they would have done something like that it could have like you know made the finale feel that much more like urgent 
Yeah, you know what? That would have been a great, great thing to add. I mean, I think we we're assuming Ezra's going to be like, hey, throw on his back, obviously. And yeah, it's a whole nother thing. Like, how did he get away? Like, I guess as soon as they obviously as soon as like the Star Trek exited, he just like jumped ship and like hit hyperspeed now. Go, 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 go before they yep. catch on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I would have really liked that hype. Can you imagine if we get like some big thing with like the fleet and they're like, oh, crap. Like maybe just have like the Star Destroyer just like pop up out of nowhere and Thrawn reveals himself with this master plan. I mean, he did have kind of that thing going with the beam communication to as uh, to, to um, Ahsoka, but yeah, that that would have really upped it for me for sure. But yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean yeah. I, I mean, technically, it's it's easy to reveal your master plan to people who are stranded in another galaxy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, Ahsoka it came and went as fast, you know, we were assuming we were anticipating this one for a while. And uh, man, those seven weeks went pretty quick. And well, we're going to be in for a little bit of downtime as far as our show here. Like I said, off the top, we're going to take a break next week um, as we as I'll be in Comic-Con, Comic-Con next week. And we'll pick it up for some probably a, a big, hefty news episode, I would imagine there's. I'm going to have to kind of dive into the data banks and pull out some of the bigger stories because we've literally had no news that we covered in the last seven weeks on this show. So it'll we'll be playing catch up next week. And hey, you know what? Maybe if the actors settle with with the um, the studios in this upcoming week, I know they're still meeting. Maybe we'll get some big, big official news last minute before the show or something. But, you know, we hope that everything it's all right. We're happy that the writers are getting what they want and uh, we're there to support the the actors and get them what they want as well um, as, you know, the landscape of things go up and round here. You know, everything's going up in price. Obviously, that means that everybody's got to get their due. Um, it can't stay the same forever. So we're hoping that that goes through. And then we'll just once again get into that good old rhythm of the the Star Wars discussions. But I'm looking forward to also getting back into the pure Star Wars fandom discussions of just random topics to go off, go off on, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, you know, just a hint for sometime in the future, you know, we have a we have a cool unboxing for me of a cool Star Wars item. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. We'll be having plenty of our week in Star Wars is coming up because we just wanted to talk. There was so much Star Wars Ahsoka that we were like, all right, we got to cut something out to keep this from being a three hour show. So, (laughs) oh, man. Yeah. So you guys can find me. As I said, I'll be at New York Comic Con. If you guys are listening, I know some of you in the chat might be going there as well. I'll be there all four days through Thursday through Saturday at the Javits Center. There's going to be Star Wars content on basically every day. So you'll probably bump into me if you go to any of the Star Wars panels. You might see me walking around. Um, Please say hi. Also, we have um, the YouTube channel here where you can subscribe and get the latest notifications for when we go live every Sunday. We'll be off next week. Um, Please go ahead and follow us on any kind of podcast app to listen to us on the go, whether it be at the gym going to the grocery store or whatever it is you're doing, you can listen to us rather than have the YouTube app open. If you prefer that, just search Outer Rim Transmission. Where can the people find you, Milton? And what will you be talking about? I already can kind of guess. Uh, where, where can I get your sports commentary? We'll tell, we'll tell them <laughs> that. 
I mean, they can find me on Twitter on at Milton Weber Seven or Instagram at Milton Seven Weber. I mean, Chris is right. Usually, I talk about sports or my workout stuff on my social media platforms. Um, because you know, fly equals fly. Five and zero. Oh. We beat the Rams tonight. Even though they stressed me out the last couple of weeks, it is what <laughs> it is. Undefeated. Let's go. Um, no, like you can find me on the social media logins, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but this weekend I'll be in New or Ocean City, Maryland celebrating with my brother for his bachelor party so we're looking cool. forward to that so obviously we're again we're taking off a week we're all busy but yeah uh follow me on our social media i like to post funny stuff and sports and anything with working out so yeah appreciate you guys listening all right very good ben yeah i mean you can find me on twitter talking about star wars or fitness or the nfl at real ben maynard and you can find me um sometimes posting about my fitness and workouts and stuff on instagram at real ben maynard there we go we want to send a very special shout out to all the people that joined us in our lively chat this week we had small bento Sakura, aaron daly the lowdown show christopher uh christopher weber i can't forget that name obviously um <laughs> and scrolling through uh i think that was about it sorry if i'm missing anybody but yes you can uh, we had sims as well but yes you can always join us every week here we'd love to have your discussion a lot of great points were brought up uh tonight especially so really appreciate that but for milton for ben for i chris aka star raptor maybe i'll see you this upcoming week at new york comic-con that's gonna do it for us here for outer room transmissions was episode 125 may the force be with you always and transmission